We have a reading today from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed by what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Holy words, holy people. Thanks be to God. Amen. Um, I don't know about you, but I am very weary. I am weary of so many things this week, in this month, in this year, in this seemingly never-ending crisis that we are a part of. Um, I have a three-year-old and a six-year-old, and hallelujah, praise the Lord, we got the six-year-old her second vaccination shot this last week. It was joyful, and yet I am weary of having to make one more decision about if she's vaccinated and the three-year-old isn't, and someone who we know is vaccinated and being safe is having a gathering of X many people, why many feet need to be in the room for us to be doing the right thing by our neighbors, by ourselves, by our community? I'm tired of, of making decisions in general, <laughs> and I'm weary of making decisions um, where the factors seem to be changing so frequently about what it would mean to be kind and safe to all those around me. Another um, school shooting took place this week. And Columbine happened when I was in middle school and I am weary of having these talks with myself, of having these talks with those I love, of having these talks with my children um, about what it means to live in a country where we allow there to be the conditions where children die regularly 
and where children regularly are the cause of death. Children put in a position to do something they can never take back. I think this every time there's a shooting in my city, whether it's on the street or in a school, on a corner, in a home, um, that there are places in the world where this wouldn't happen because we wouldn't have had guns so near a 16-year-old who is <laughs> dealing with all the things that all the 16-year-olds are dealing with, and I am weary. I am weary of violence, and I'm weary of pain, and I'm weary of mourning. I went to a working group this week with the United Methodist Women, a really interesting group that, if you've never heard of it, does fun stuff, and I can tell you all about it, on the school-to-prison pipeline and on the ways in which we can act with the schools near us and in our neighborhoods and in our communities to talk with principals and legislators about stopping the ways in which our black, brown, and native students, neighbors, loved ones are targeted by basic human disrespect from teachers, by more frequent suspension, by more frequent expulsion, by adultification of babies that justifies, or does not justify, but seems to, bringing in a police state to the lives of children to deal with the ways that children act and the people that children are. And I am weary of fearing for my nephew and the children that I love and my neighbors who are targeted by this system of racism and uncare. And I am weary. <laughs> and your sources of weariness might be different and your sources of weariness might be the same, but what I am feeling from our community and from the world is more than our fair measure um, of this weariness. And then I read this scripture, Luke 2, and I see people who have just as much reason to be just as weary as we are. The first people we meet are these shepherds working the night shift, right? <laughs> they are up all night with pretty annoying animals on a hillside, just trying to keep them safe, having nothing much to distract them, probably half falling asleep the way that everybody who's ever had to work a night, sh night shift knows, right? Is, does, are. Um, and they are living under the conditions of an empire, which has told them that the only way that peace is possible is through a militarized state that has centurions on every corner, that doesn't see Jews as whole people or as whole communities. I imagine that the shepherds were weary. Mary has just given birth, and as someone who's done that twice, I will testify that she's probably pretty tired. <laughs> pretty exhausted <laughs> and uh, possibly unhappy, possibly out of her mind, right? Possibly unable to stand, depending on how this birth goes. We have so many details about the birth story of Jesus, and so many of them aren't the ones that I'm the most curious about, you know? Like, what, what, what did you labor, Mary? How long did you labor, and what was it like? And which things did you run into that we've all run into, and which things were painful, and which things were hard, and how did you feel? 
And she's in, you know, a family member's, not guest room, but barn, <laughs> because there wasn't enough room in the guest room for the pregnant lady. <laughs> um, I, she's weary, right? The, uh, I would be. And yet, these weary people are filled with extraordinary, world-upending, have to tell everybody about it the second you hear it, joy. They are captivated by joy. They are animated by joy. It says that God has sent them good news, and when they hear that good news, they feel like it's good. In the midst of their weariness, they get a message of a sign, and they run to see if the baby is there, and then they run to tell everyone they've ever known. For Mary, running is off the table, right, in her current physical state. But she treasures and she ponders. She is given joy and she is given confidence. And she is given some sort of enduring wonder by what happens to her on this weary night. They are weary. And all of the things that make their lives hard, <laughs> that make their community a hard place to be, are still true. And something else is true, too. Something extraordinary. Something magnificent. Something that changes their lives and changes ours now. The birth of a baby in a strange place, in little bits of cloth, is somehow enough joy to cover everything else that is true and everything else that they feel. Your mileage may vary on how available this feels to you in your current state, in your current moment. But I have to wonder um, if the shepherds and Mary had to do just as much work to get over that hill of getting from weariness to joy as we see them do so quickly. And I wonder if there are a couple reasons why they could. One is, um, my absolute favorite part of the Bible, uh, I grew up non-religious, and so I didn't start reading the Bible until my late teens, and it's like very wacky and wonderful and wild in all of these ways. Um, but one of my favorite parts about the Bible is the way that it's constantly in conversation with itself, right? It's like dozens and dozens of different people living different lives over thousands of years, but they're all talking to each other. And one of the things about this story is, is the way that it talks to other stories that these people have experienced. For these shepherds on a hill who an angel appears to, um, and we know that the angel is spooky. Uh, we don't know exactly what it looks like, but we know that every time angels appear to people, they say, don't be scared. So we assume that angels look scary, right? Whatever they look like, it's not uh, um, calm-inducing. Uh, when the angel appears to these shepherds and says there is a sign, they remember, probably, a story from their tradition, a story that they heard as kids in their homes or in the temple or wherever they came into contact with the stories of the scriptures, of Moses, a shepherd, tending to his flock, when a brilliant, frightening, terrible message from God came through and said, there will be a sign, a mountain, and there will be freedom. And they remember that story. Something like this has happened before, <laughs> right? Another person 
has felt this weary, has faced these odds, and yet God came into their lives and did an exodus, did a liberation, did an extraordinary freedom, and brought him to that mountain that was the sign. And so maybe they're remembering that and thinking, okay, like this seems unbelievable that I could get from my weariness to my joy, but it, God, you've done it for them, do it for me. Or perhaps they're thinking about the ways in which their job, shepherd, has always kind of been a sign of rebellion and new thing throughout the years and throughout the scriptural story. Since Cain and Abel, some say, there's this comparison between farmers and shepherds. Farmers are stable and they like the way things are, and shepherds are radical and they move around, right? And they're more willing to change. Maybe they're remembering we, though lowly in this society, are supposed to be change makers. We're supposed to be braver. We can adopt new things. Maybe Mary is remembering the legacy of women <laughs> from Deborah to her cousin Elizabeth who have been through it and yet have found joy and extraordinary things on the other side. This is one way we make that leap from weary to joyful is remembering the past and remembering our ancestors remembering the people who came before and what they went through and the ways in which it is possible to live in injustice and continue to act and continue to be and continue to move with others and with community. And, and I have to wonder if um, part of the way they make that leap, part of the invitation for us to make that leap from weary to joyful might be in the very nature of what they're invited to see a really adorable, cute little baby <laughs> who it is almost ridiculous to think might be a sign of wonder, right? A sign of everything being different, a sign of freedom. And yet that's the promise that the angel has given them, that signs come from unexpected places. It's in the everyday things of your Life, it's, it's in the, the things that the world has called weak that you will begin to find the presence of God and the presence of a joy that can break in anywhere and that does break in all the time if we're paying attention to it. For many people, um, I think, particularly uh, people who live in northern Illinois, uh, we maybe get worried about winter, right? And the way in which it might affect our mood and the way it might affect our weariness. But, and, and I do too. But, but I also look forward to this time where the very nature of the world says to us, um, take a break and rest longer. <laughs> where the world sends to us an enveloping darkness and says, let me nourish you in the dark. Let me surround you with the darkness of a womb, with the darkness of creation, with the darkness of rest that is rich and wonderful and good, and take a rest and notice all of the things about the world that don't make you weary, all the things about existing that say something about a joy born in Christ. So there's no one-step plan. <laughs> to making this leap that the shepherds and Mary made. But there is a promise that it's possible. There is a promise that the joy is real and it's foundational. There is a promise that all of the things 
that God and Christ said are true, that justice can be realized, that we can offer one another mercy, that love can endure all things and much more than you think it can. And no matter how weary you are, rest and peace and the joy of Christ are available and are surrounding you and are there, and they can be things that are true too. So for you, I don't know what that looks like this week. I don't know if it looks like taking time to sit in something that feels full of peace and joy. I don't know if it means taking action to feel like you have control in a world that feels out of control of weariness. I don't know if it means just literally sleeping, <laughs> like taking a nap. I don't know if it means dwelling in the story of Christ so that joy might come through you and overwhelm you. But a promise was made that the weariness doesn't have to be where we stop, that the weariness doesn't have to be the only thing that's ever true, that there's something more going on here. And I want to read you a, a quote from Howard Thurman, one of my favorites. His Christmas prayer um, is one of the best. We're going to read it towards Christmas Eve. But he also said this, Welling up out of the depths of vast vitality, there is something, and the something has a capital S, there is something at work that is more authentic than the formal discursive design of the human mind. Whatever logical things your brain is very good at telling you about why everything is terrible, <laughs> there is a something at work that is more real than those stories, that is more real than what discourse can illuminate. As long as this is true ultimately, as long as it is true ultimately that something is at work, as long as it is true ultimately that God is present, as long as it is true ultimately that Jesus speaks to us in the most unexpected and powerless of places, he says, despair about the human race is groundless. There is hope. There is joy. There is peace. There is wonder. You might not find it tomorrow, <laughs> but knowing that it exists allows us to go forward and allows us to go forward together. Some of us holding up the hope when others can't, and others of us taking on the task of the hope and joy when those first people lose their appetite for it, right? We come together today so that among us all, there might be one mustard seed's worth enough of hope that gets us all through to the next stage, to the next day, to the next week of the overwhelming joy that is coming for us unexpectedly, magnificently, and wondrously, no matter what else it seems like on any given day. And for this we give thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.